Thank you so much. Uh, over the past several weeks, I uh, have been restricted from preaching, and I've missed it, and I miss you. You're the greatest congregation in the whole world. You're the best-looking congregation in the whole world, my friend. The person beside you is a great, great individual. Amen? Amen. I'm here to tell you, God is so good. And we are grateful. We've enjoyed all of the speakers, those from Southeastern and others that have been here. And then not to mention our own team, which are great preachers among themselves. They have nailed it and did a great, great job. Have you appreciated them in all the sequence of events? Wonderful. That's good. I'm sure with that little weak hand clap, they're all encouraged immensely. Uh, uh, The bottom line is we have a great speaker with us today. It's a personal friend. Friendship is growing. We have the Experience Conference for the Assemblies of God in Peninsula, Florida, here Friday and yesterday. 1,500 to 2,000 people who were lay people and ministers uh, who gathered here. He was the uh, speaker for that. And uh, just so many, many opportunities. Uh, He pastors River Valley Church, which started in 1995. And uh, as a result of that, today, get this, multi-site locations, uh, right, right around 10,000 are worshiping today as a result, 1995. He actually, uh, actually started the church out of his own credit cards. And when no bank would loan him money, he decided to load up a credit card. He thought that was God. And apparently it said, if, if I can't find the money anywhere else, I believe in my vision so strongly, I'm willing to bankroll it. So God, it's now or nothing. And that's what he did. He, of course, serves on the highest board of the Assemblies of God, uh, which is an executive presbyter out of the uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota area. River Valley Church is a well-respected church. He's an author. He's done all kinds of things uh, as it relates to ministry and just championing vision wherever he goes. I want you to know you are going to be blessed. Would you welcome my guest today, Reverend Rob Ketterling, everybody. Here we go. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for uh, letting me extend my time here after the Experience Conference and uh, being able to stay here. I do have a special place in my heart for Florida. I told the conference this week, I said, you know, my grandparents uh, are from Florida. And they said, everybody's grandparents are from Florida. And I, I said, no, 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 no. Like my mom went to high school in Tampa. Like, so it goes back. They lived here. And uh, you may not realize this, but uh, my grandfather was treasurer for Anheuser-Busch. Okay. For those of you that have been Christian your whole life, that's Budweiser. Okay. So my grandfather was treasurer for Anheuser-Busch and uh, would send me things as a kid, like, you know, beer cans, not with beer in them, but beer cans. And, and my nightlight growing up was a Budweiser beer light. Uh, so, and it, that was grandpa. I mean, and um, I just think about here I am, two generations away from that. Uh, I've never been drunk in my life, never tried uh, alcohol, never tried drugs, never done any of that stuff. And uh, I think about what God can do in people's lives. And uh, so I'm here to just maybe redeem some of Tampa and, you know, just be able to, in, in, in Lakeland and just this area, this region, I'm back. I, I enjoy it. It's a special place in our heart. We absolutely love it. Um, I know this. I know that you love your pastor. And as a pastor, I love watching that. I love the care. And I know he's been out for several weeks and, and, and his eye is recovering, but we are praying for a breakthrough 
Um, I know what it's like to have medical issues, and I had to miss for six weeks myself a couple years ago. It was excruciating. It was just everything within me wanted to pastor, and yet I needed to be pastored, and I needed to be loved. I needed to be taken care of. And I love the way that you are praying for your pastor, and uh, just to show that you're still praying for him, you're believing for a healing and a breakthrough, and that you love and appreciate him. Can you clap and show your love and appreciation for your pastor? Yes. I know that uh, my wife serves uh, with him on a, a board. It's called Emerge, and uh, it's a ministry that it counsels everyone, but it specializes in counseling pastors and missionaries and children of people in the ministry. But uh, it, it's open to everybody, but they're on that board, and they serve together. And for some reason, they, they sit by each other, and my wife just thinks he is hilarious. And then he says something funny, then she laughs uncontrollably, and then they scold her. So she said, he gets me in trouble like a big brother. And so she sends her greetings and uh, absolutely uh, wishes that she could be here. She just launched her women's ministry uh, this week. And she said, I just can't be gone. I've got to do that. But I want to show a picture of my family and let you see a little bit of who they are, who I'm talking about here. And uh, you'll see on the far side is my oldest son, our oldest son, Connor. I'll talk about him in a minute. My wife, Becca, our youngest son, Logan, and his wife, Michaela. And they just celebrated one year of being married. I want to camp on Connor for just a second. Um, I can't just introduce him without giving a little backstory and, and really a mini sermonette, if you will. Um, Connor was born with autism. So uh, we didn't realize it when he was born. You know, uh, certain things were little tells and we couldn't tell it though. We were new parents. Like he slept in a car seat. If we put him in the crib, he cried all night. If we put him in his car seat, he slept all night. So we would take his car seat out of the car, put it in his crib and leave him buckled in, he would sleep. That's kind of a sign of autism. They love to be held tight. He made everything a train, everything a train. It was always a train, everything. He couldn't make eye contact. We thought he was just shy until he was about two years old. And, and then we took him in for testing and they said, yeah, your son has autism. We put him in special ed and we prayed and fasted and prayed for every miraculous healing for a couple of years and just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, cried and cried and cried. Nothing happened. And uh, I can tell you that one day, a regular day in church, just we had kind of given up on healing. I know that sounds weird to think, but we just were kind of like, okay, God, you're a loving God, you're a kind God, but apparently you don't want to be that powerful anymore, but we'll still love you, you're kind, you're gracious, we'll lead people to Jesus, we're going to kind of back down praying for healing, but we believe in you. And um, in that moment on that Sunday, we were just ready to leave church and a a visiting pastor said, is there anything we could pray for? And I was just about to say, like, church growth, better offerings, you know, good pastor prayer requests. And my wife goes, our son has autism and we want to see him healed. And I was kind of like, yeah, that's, that's a better prayer request right there. That's way better. And um, in that moment, she found, like, what I would call tenacious mama faith. You know, like the Samaritan woman, like, oh, I want the crumbs. And we prayed over our son that day, and this pastor just prophesied, and he said, God has seen that you have seen him as a loving God and as a kind God, and for his glory, he's going to show you that he is a powerful God. And then God miraculously healed our son in that moment. Our son that couldn't make eye contact looked up and just said, hi, Dad. Didn't parrot back. He said, where are we going? What are we going to do? Uh, completely miraculously healed, and I've got to give God the glory for that. 
So we brought him into special ed on Monday and we brought him up to his teacher. She said, what happened to Connor? We said, he was healed in, in, in church yesterday. She's like, this is incredible. She gets her boss, brings her boss in and she says, test this child. So they test him and she goes, do you see anything with him? And she goes, nothing. And she goes, he had autism. And she goes, he did not have autism. And, and she looks at me and she goes, how dare you rip off special ed? for the last two years. This kid is normal. I said, yeah, it's every parent's dream to rip off special ed, you know? I said, God healed my son and he gets the glory and he gets the honor and he gets the praise. Yes. Now, I didn't, I didn't say this at the earlier service, but I feel led to teach this for just a moment. This is not the sermon, by the way. And um, I just, I wanna teach you on this, like uh, about healing. I pray in faith, believing for every healing. I am not wavering in any way, okay? Now, that doesn't mean every prayer I pray will manifest any healing, but I'm not praying like, Lord, if it's your will, go ahead and do it. Like, okay, here's why. The Bible tells us that by his stripes we're healed. Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins and for our healing. By his stripes we are healed. It was placed on the cross, okay? So it's already been paid for. The Bible tells us in Revelation that it's waiting for us in heaven. There'll be no sickness, no pain, no suffering. He will wipe away every tear. He will right every wrong. He has eternity to do that. So paid for here, waiting for us here, okay? And if this is the line between living now and living in eternity with God in heaven, all we're doing is we're asking God, what was paid for back here that's waiting here, could you release it into our now? Okay, does that change your thinking? Okay, can I get what's here? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All I'm doing is saying, what's waiting here? Can it get here? Now, here's another thing that I just want to help you with. If it doesn't get here, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. Okay, it just means you're moving towards your miracle. And I don't know what controls the release of what's in heaven into our now, but I know I'm going to pray for it. Okay, I'm not going to stop praying for it, and I'm going to keep asking God to take what's there and move it into my now, and I want to live more in line with heaven's reality than my reality that I'm in here, and so I'm just praying for that, all right? Um, And I'll give you one more practical thing on this. Um, They said I could go as long as I want for this service, by the way. All right. The other one had a time limit. You should have been here at the early service, I'm just saying. All right. But they didn't get this. All right. Um, My kids used to come up to me and say, our two boys, they'd say, Dad, you're probably not going to do this. And I say, well, what am I not going to do? You're probably not going to do this. Well, what am I not going to do? Well, we were thinking, but you're probably not going to do it. I mean, how many know by this point I'm offended? Like, why do you think I'm such a bad guy, you know? Well, we were wondering if we could have ice cream, but you're probably not going to do it, okay? So I taught them when they were little. I said, don't ever ask for ice cream like that. When you want ice cream from your dad, you come up to him and you say, hey, Dad, you're amazing. You are the best dad on planet Earth. Man, you are so good. You, you are so good. You're probably going to want to do this because you are so good. We were thinking today would be a great day for ice cream. That, I said, that's how you asked me from now on. And they did it, and they got a lot more ice cream that way, all right? All right? Now, sometimes I would say no to them. Sometimes I would say no because I knew what was coming. I knew dinner was coming, and ice cream was not for now. But ice cream was in the plan, but it wasn't now. Because I'm a good dad, and I have my eyes on the whole picture. 
So when you go to God and ask for a miracle, when you go to God and ask for anything, ask him like this. Hey, God, you're a good God. You're an amazing God. You're an incredible God. You praise God. You, that's what we're doing. We're, we're setting the atmosphere here. We've been praising God, and we've been lifting up his name. Why? Because he's a good God, and he deserves it, and he's wonderful. And we're setting the atmosphere of expectancy with our praise and worship. And then we say, God, wouldn't today be a great day for a healing? Wouldn't today be a great day? You think, well, I asked yesterday and it didn't happen, but today's a better day. You're moving. God, wouldn't today be a better day? Now, sometimes in his sovereignty, he knows the release date of what's there to come into your now, or he just brings you into it, okay? We don't know, but I do know that he's a good God, and I know that I can ask him, and I'm not going to stop asking. So I'd just like to follow this prompt right now. If you've been just trusting God for something for a long, long time, I'm not going to even ask you to say what it is. I just seem to ask if you would want prayer right now. You've been asking, and you kind of, you might have, maybe you've been tenacious, or maybe you've just kind of, okay, we'll let that one go. I just, if you've been praying for something for a long, long time, I just want to agree with you right now in Jesus' name that today would be a great day for a miracle. Today would be a great day for ice cream. So if that's you, I won't ask you what it is. Just raise your hand. You say, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Lord, right now, hands up all across this place. And I'm sure even online, people are raising their hands. We, I can't see them, but you see them. You see hands raised. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting. I just feel this, Lord, Lord there are people that are praying for children to come back to you. Today would be a great day for them to come back to Jesus. There are people that are praying for a miracle. Today would be a great day for a miracle. There are people that are praying for healing. Today would be a great day for a healing. And God, we trust you. We love you. We keep praying for whatever that need is, whatever that breakthrough is we've been seeking. We don't want to grow tired in asking you and you don't grow tired in hearing it. You're a good God. We know you have a different release date for every hand that's raised, but God, we want to press it. We want to ask for uh, the crumbs to fall off the table. We want our, our desire, our hunger, our, our, our prayers, maybe to just shake it loose from heaven and bring it into our now. Thank you, God. You're a good God. You're an amazing God. We give you praise and glory. We will serve you. We will love you. And we'll keep asking, Lord. And we'll keep serving you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Turn to your neighbor and tell him today would be a great day for ice cream. Come on, tell him that. Ice cream sales are going up all over Florida right now. All right. Today I'm preaching the same message to you that I'm preaching to my church back home. I did it because I pre-recorded it on Tuesday, and uh, we're multi-site. We have nine locations. We use video preaching, and um, whenever I preach, it goes out on video. And so a lot of times, I'll preach the Saturday night service, and I'll, I'll like it, and I'll just say, like, all right, that's good, and I'll just sit on the front row on Sunday and watch myself on video, and I'll be amen to myself, like, that's good. Preach, you know? And then I'm tweeting it out, like, that's awesome, you know? I'm tweeting myself, you know? So today, I can't amen myself, so you can do that, all right, but... Uh, church is seeing it. I pre-recorded it on Tuesday for them. Same message. And um, it comes out of Genesis 15. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to me there. I, I, I was reading through the Bible. I was on a, a sabbatical after 20 years of being in the church. My board said, we want you to take three months. Just go hear from God. Go away with Becca. Just enjoy. No preaching, no teaching. Just rest, okay? It's been a fast 20 years. Uh, so we did it, and I determined I'm just going to read the Bible. That's the only book I'm going to read, and I'm just going to see what God wants to speak to me, okay? And we need to do that. If you're not reading your Bible every day, I want to challenge you to read your Bible every day, every day. 
just because you love God and you want it to speak to you. If you don't know where to read, ask your pastors. They will direct you. But in our church, we assign two chapters every day for every person in the church. We want you to read your word. So I'm just reading the Bible, and I thought, I'll just see how God wants to speak to me. I get to Genesis 15, and I get stuck on a verse. It's a verse that we'd probably skip over or wonder about. And we'll get there in just a moment. But I got stuck there, but yet this sermon came out of it. In Genesis 15, God's speaking to Abram, and we know him as Abraham, not just father, but father of many. So God gives him a name change to Abraham, but at this point, he's still Abram. And God's about to give Abram a, 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 a call, a covenant. He's about to enter into this covenant relationship with him and say, from your family, I'm going to send the promised one. I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send the Messiah from your family. This is going to be a covenant that we're going to come into. And we pick this up in Genesis 15. It says, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you. Your reward will be great. And then we see in the next couple of verses, Abram is arguing. He's like, how can my name be great if I don't have any children? I mean, maybe it's my servant. Maybe my servant's going to be the one that's going to do it. And then the Lord's like, no, it's not your servant. Verse 5, it says, then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. And then in verse 8, it says, but Abram replied, oh, sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I'll actually possess it? The Lord told him, bring him a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Let me stop for just a moment. That's a little gruesome. I got to explain it. All right. When they would enter into a covenant relationship in Bible times, they would say, we are making a covenant. It's not just an agreement. It's a covenant. And we're going to take these animals and we're going to cut them in half. And we're going to put one half over here and one half over here. And we're going to walk through them in a figure eight pattern. And we're going to walk through there. And we're going to say, we are true to our word. If either of us doesn't live up to us, may it be done to us what was done to these animals. This is serious. This is serious. It's a covenant relationship that is being entered into. And that's why they did it. Matter of fact, we've lost the symbolism of this even in weddings. Okay? You go to a wedding. How many know they say, Bride side or groom side, right? All right. And then we have that middle aisle that they walk down. That middle aisle symbolizes that they're walking between two halves and becoming one. The middle aisle is actually called the walk of death. Some of you that have been married a long time are like, I'll say it is. You know, all right, I got it, I got it. <laughs> You're saying I'm dying to myself and the two will become one. We're entering into a covenant. It's not just a contract. This is a covenant. So Abram is entering into a covenant with God in this moment. This is the verse that I got stuck on, verse 11, all right? It says, some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. And I'm looking at that like, why is that there? All right, let's keep reading. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a terrifying darkness came upon him. And then the Bible tells us that God gives him a download. Here's what's going to happen to your children. Here's what's going to happen in the future. Here's what's going to happen for 400 years, but I'm going to punish those people and they're going to be free and you're my people, all right? In verse 17, it says, after the sun went down, the darkness fell. Abraham saw, or Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram this day and said, I've given this land to your descendants. 
God enters into this covenant relationship with him. God steps out to make a call with him. There's so much there, the stars, the covenant, the animals, all these different things. And yet I see as I'm reading this, verse 11, some vultures swoop down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. And my first thought when I see that is like, that it's not necessary. Like, why do I need to know that about the story? But then I realize like every word in the Bible is inspired, so there must be some meaning here. But still, I'm thinking this is probably like one of those verses, I, I, we're never going to get anything out of it. I don't know if you're like me. I read the Bible and I'm kind of like, why is that verse there? Anybody do that? I mean, okay, I'll give you a couple of my favorites. Acts 20 verse 8, Luke says this, there were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Thanks, Luke. We really, that's great commentary. It was really bright where we were meeting. How, does that change your life? You know, I mean, or, or how about this? In Genesis 12, 11, uh, Moses wrote Genesis, okay? And he says, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. I'm like, Moses, for just a moment, you sound a little creepy. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I don't know if that's needed, you know? And there's a lot of other things. I mean, there's so many verses. Okay, but as a kid, this is my favorite. And I'm glad that in Judges, there's all this detail and like, TMI, but I love this. Like Judges 3.17, it's talking about Eglon and Ehud. And it said, Ehud presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man, all right? And then in verse 21, it says, Ehud reached with his left hand and drew the sword from his right thigh and plunged it into the king's belly. And as a kid, I mean, come on, that's amazing commentary. And then it says, even the handle sank in after the blade and his bowels discharged. Ehud did not pull the sword out because the fat closed in over it. That's amazing flannel graph right there. I mean, that's like, for a kid, that's awesome. But I mean, it's, it's extra. It's not going to change your life, okay? Might keep kids interested. So I'm wondering, why is this vulture verse there? Is it going to change my life? What's it going to be? And so I start meditating on it. God, help me out with this. Help me out with this. What's going to happen with this? Where does this verse go? Why is it even there? And as I'm praying about it, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit downloads this to me. And he says, wherever there is sacrifice, there will be vultures trying to steal away the sacrifice. Wherever you step out and say yes to God, there's going to be an enemy that's going to try to snatch it away. Abram's saying, yes, I'll do this. I, I step out in faith. I'm yours, God. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Yes, yes is the answer. And no sooner does he say that, he starts to enter into this covenant that the vultures try to steal away his sacrifice. And I believe you and I, every time we say yes to God and we make a sacrifice, whether it's your life, I'm going to tell you, whether it's your life, you, you're ready to say yes to Jesus, you're ready to give your life to him, I'm going to tell you there will be a vulture trying to steal that away and say, not today. Every time we say yes, there's something that attacks us and we've got to learn to fight these vultures. We've got to learn to overcome them. I mean, the moment that God speaks to you, whether it's in church or at the altar or whether you're reading your Bible or something, how many know like faith is at a peak level when you say yes? And you're like, yes, Lord, we're going to do that. We're going to sign up. We're going to serve. We're going to give. We're going to go. We're going to do that. And, and, and as soon as you leave church, how many know you walk out and you're like, are those vultures? And you, by the time you get to your car, you're wondering, what did I just say yes to? What did I just agree to? What? What is going on? And, and the vultures just start showing up and they start circling and it's just, they're, they're gathering around and it's almost like, am I dying? I mean, what's going on here? Because they want to steal away your sacrifice. 
It's just the way they work. I mean, their vision is so good, they're waiting for the moment of death. They can see the exact moment of death when something dies and pounce on it. And that's how I just feel like you're stepping on faith. You're saying, yes, God, and all of a sudden those vultures are ready to steal away the sacrifice. So I want to point out a few vultures we need to come against because I think God wants you to sacrifice. I think God wants you to say yes to him. I think God wants you to step up and lead and serve and give and go and do these things. And when you go to do this, these things are going to attack you. Maybe they are attacking you right now, and you've got to learn to overcome them. The first vulture you have to defeat is the vulture of doubt. The vulture of doubt. Did I really hear you, Lord? Did I really hear you? I, I, I stepped out and said it, and now I'm wondering, what was I thinking? Let me give you something very practical. I heard your pastor talk about tithing and giving 10%. And I know for a lot of people, that's uh, like, what? What was that? But you get the faith to do it. And if you're just like the people in my church, I'll never forget, Ron was a, a really good friend of mine. He came to our church, gave his life to Jesus, and then he heard about tithing and doing 10%. And he's like, we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't do that. And his wife was like, I think we can do it. He's like, we can't do that. And she's like, we can, we can. And one day, just like faith was there, and he wrote the check, and he put in the offering, and he got to his car. He's like, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? And the vultures were circling around. It was wrong. You shouldn't have done the sacrifice. God's not going to be faithful. You should have never done that. And he's like, what were we thinking? He's telling his wife, we should stop the check. We should stop the check. Stop payment on the check. We should stop payment on the check. You know, he doesn't, she doesn't let him do it. Like, no, no, no. He goes into work. He's like, we're never going to make it. 10%. Where that's going to go. He goes in and they said, Ron, we, we have a meeting with you. His bosses. He's like, great. Now I'm getting fired. Great. He goes in there. They said, hey, we want to tell you. We just noticed that you have had a 10% raise that has been queued up for over a year. And it was supposed to happen a year ago. And for some reason, we just discovered it this morning. And uh, we're giving you a 10% raise. And by the way, we're giving you back pay for that entire year because it's been sitting there. Come on. How many know he could tell those vultures, be quiet in Jesus' name? <laughs> every time you step out in faith, Doubt attacks you. Did I really hear from you? And we're not alone. John the Baptist in Luke 7.20, it says some men came to Jesus and they're like, are you really the one? Are you really the one? See, because John the Baptist had been imprisoned and he realized this doesn't look like it's going to end well for me. And I thought I was being obedient. I thought I was the one saying, prepare the way for the Lord. I thought I was the one. I thought I was doing everything God told me to do. And, and you can just picture it. He's in, the, he's in the dungeon. He can see that this is not going to end well. And the vultures are circling around him. And he's wondering, like, was my sacrifice really real? Is Jesus really the one? And Jesus assures him. He said, tell him that the gospel is being preached to the poor, that the blind are receiving sight, the sick are receiving healing. Tell them he didn't waste his life. Tell him to silence those vultures in Jesus' name. Man, it happens. I read the Psalms. It's like the psalmist is like, why, oh Lord, am I struggling? Everybody else is doing well. It looks like I'm going to die. And he's wondering, is it really worth it? If they faced it, we'll face it. The disciples even faced it. They said, Jesus, we've left everything. Is it worth it? And he's like, yes, 
It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. We are going to be called to make sacrifices for God. And when we do, doubt will attack us. And we are going to have to learn to say silence to those vultures. We're going to have to say be quiet. We're going to have to overcome the noise because, man, the bigger the sacrifice, the louder they are. You step out and they're just, they're loud. Not only do I see them, I hear them. Sometimes when I step out in faith, I, 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 I hear them in my own mind, vulture sounds. And I just want to know, how many of you ever, have ever heard a vulture? I know you've seen a vulture, but how many have heard it? Not a lot of people, all right? I, I saw vultures the other day. I was playing golf with uh, Pastor Wayne's son-in-law, and, and he was pl- beating me like crazy. And there were like hundreds of vultures above me. And I think he said, like, I think your golf game's dying. But I mean, you know, so I saw them. They were everywhere, okay? But to hear them. This is what I hear when I step out. This is, I got to silence these things, but these are real vultures. Go ahead and play that sound. That's a real vulture. Okay, turn that off. Turn that off. Uh, does that, that sounds like T-Rex and a cat had a baby. You know what I'm saying? That's like the devil's baby, you know? Okay. But, okay, am I the only one that hears them when I step out in faith? I step out in faith, I'm like, I know my Redeemer lives, and all of a sudden they're like, ah, they're changing the tune, you know? And I'm like, we're going to make it, and ah, and I'm just like, quiet, quiet. I, I mean, when I started our church, your pastor alluded to it, I put all the church on my credit cards. I looked for a loan, I went from bank to bank to bank to bank, and nobody would give me a loan. But I had five Visa Gold cards. Why the youth pastor had five Visa Gold cards, I don't know. Each of them had a $20,000 limit, and I put $100,000 on my credit cards at 21% interest to start our church. Now, we don't do that anymore. We don't teach it anymore, okay? It was very, I mean, I get a new credit card in the mail. I'd apply for it, transfer the balance, transfer the balance, three, three months, zero. I mean, crazy, crazy, crazy. Twelve times in the start of our church, I had to hold my paycheck, the offering would be there. It wouldn't be good enough to get paid. I'm selling appliances. My wife is working as a full-time accountant, and 12 times I have to hold my paycheck. And every time, the vultures, you're done. You're done. You're never going to make it. You're done. You're done. You didn't hear God. You shouldn't have started this church. You're done. It's over. So many times I went to our staff meeting, and I'm ashamed to admit it. My staff, three staff, all bivocational. All right, they're all working other jobs. And I'd go in, I'd start the staff meeting out like this. I'd say, we're doomed. I was speaking vulture. I just, I, 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 they were winning. And in that moment, I'd be like, we're doomed. And I thank God that my staff, they'd be like, no, we're not doomed. We're going to make it. I'm glad that they didn't speak vulture while I was speaking vulture. It would have been horrible if I'd gone to staff meeting, we're doomed. And they're like, yeah, we think so. You know, that'd be horrible. But they were like, no, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. And they lifted me up, and they didn't let me speak vulture. And if I could go back and talk to young Pastor Rob, you know what I'd tell him? Don't speak vulture. I may hear them, but I'm not speaking what they speak. I'm going to speak things like, I know my Redeemer lives. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. God is not slow concerning his promise. I'm going to have to preach to myself and speak faith in life and not allow the vultures to discourage me out of the things I say yes to for the Lord's glory. You're going to have to overcome the vulture of doubt. All right? The, the second vulture that you have to overcome, though, is delay. Delay. I see this from the text. Okay, 
it, it says some vultures swoop down. So here's, you got to understand the story. Moments earlier, these animals were alive. Moments earlier, these animals were healthy. He would never offer something that was sickly to the Lord. So moments earlier, these animals are healthy and alive. Abram kills them, and the vultures are like, oh, something just died. And they show up. They circle. They land. They creep in. I had an opportunity to watch vultures creep. I was in Africa, and I saw a lion guarding this buffalo that it had killed. And the vultures were there, and they'd get a little closer and a little closer and a little closer. And all of a sudden, he'd bow up like Mufasa. You know, it was like so good. And those vultures would scatter, okay? I, I think that's, Abram is like, these guys were alive, and now they're dead, and now the vultures have circled. They've landed. They're creeping in, and I've got to drive them away. It's taking longer than I thought. How many know when you step out in faith with God, it takes longer than you thought? You don't always show up on Monday, and they have a, a, a back pay raise waiting for you. I mean, it just, it just takes longer and longer and longer, and we think it's going to just take a few years. I remember I told Becca, my wife, I said, hey, when we start this church, within no time, you know, it'll be a 1,000 people. Don't worry. We'll get health insurance. At the end of the first year, we were 87 people. I said, hey, babe, just kind of a slow start. Slow start. Just give me another year. At the end of the year, we're like 130. I'm like, hey, just a, kind, of, kind of tripped up. Three, three years. Ten years later. Ten years later, the church was able to offer me health insurance and able to get us and actually pay us something so that she could quit her job. Ten years of serving. It just, it's slower than you thought. You might identify. You might say, hey, I'm stepping on faith. I said yes to God. I'm starting a life group. Life is better connected, and we're going to do this. We're going to do our small group. We're going to do that. You put out the flyers. You put it all over social media. You open up the night. It's you, your spouse, and your co-leader. And you're like... Well, that rebellious church that doesn't like life groups. <laughs> and you get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Man, start there. Do the very best you can. Work the lobby. Get more people. Get more people. I just, I've learned this. When you're waiting on God, it's like time moves in dog years. You know what I'm saying? You're like, Lord, we've been waiting for a year. And he's like, no, it's two months. Lord, it's been a decade. No, it's been about a year. You see what I'm saying? It's like we just, oh, it's so much longer. It takes so much longer. And so we try to get ahead of God. We try to help him fill in the blanks. Or we live in doubt and fear. But God says, I want you to live in faith, and I don't want you to fall prey to the vulture of delay. If you know the story of the first king of Israel in 1 Samuel 13, there was a guy by the name of Saul. If you don't know, I'll help you out and fill you in. The Israelites, the Jewish people had their first king. His name was Saul. And when he was anointed king, God said, now you pay attention to me. You honor me. Don't be afraid of the people. You want to honor me and listen to what I have to say. There comes a moment that he's waiting for a battle. There's a battle. His enemy is starting to encamp against him. They're getting closer and closer. He is forbidden to go into battle unless he has a prayer by the prophet and a sacrifice is made by the prophet. He is not allowed to do it. He's not allowed to do it. But the Bible tells us in that, in that passage, it says that he was afraid. He heard the murmuring of the people. He saw the enemy getting closer. If you can imagine, he heard the vultures saying, God's not going to be on time. The enemy's going to destroy you. You're never going to make it. God's taking way too long. Why don't you step in and make the sacrifice? Why don't you do the prayer? And so he does it. 
And he does the prayer, does the sacrifice. No sooner does he do that, Samuel shows up and says, what have you done? He said, well, I was, uh, yeah, the, the people, their voices, and they, I, I could hear them, and they, it was taking too long, and the enemy was getting closer, it was taking too, it was delayed, and I just, I, I, I thought I had to do this, and so I did it because I, I heard the people. And Samuel says, today you lose everything. Today you lose everything because the delay, you, you fell for the vulture of delay. You, you thought that God was late and he's not late, he's on time. You got ahead of him and you lose everything today because you listen to their voices and not his voice. I'm telling you, it's going to take longer than you thought. It will be harder than you thought. You'll be attacked in so many different ways, but you cannot let the delay steal your sacrifice. You can't let it. I mean, you, you just got to say, if they turn up their volume, you got to say, it doesn't matter. I'll be faithful even if only the three of us keep showing up time after time after time. Let me tell you, I started a, a recovery ministry in our church, which was hilarious. I've never been drunk. I've never been high. Never. You know? And God says, start a recovery group for the church. So I, I, I didn't know how to do one, so I went to AA for the first, I just thought I'd see what they do. And and they went around, they're like, hi, I'm Joe, I'm an alcoholic, I'm Susie, I'm an alcoholic. They got to me and I said, hi, I'm Rob, I'm new here. And they're all like, hi, Rob, denial. You know what I mean? That's how they looked at me. You know? All right. I started it and there was just one guy that came week after week after week. I was so discouraged, but I wasn't going to let the enemy steal my sacrifice. And I just stayed faithful. You know what he said to me years later? He's now a pastor in ministry. He said, I used to come to that meeting and I used to say, if Rob's not there, I'm going drinking. And he goes, and yet you'd be there over and over again. And he goes, and it was just you and me for the longest time. And then finally people started to join us. And he says, I was ready to just walk away, but you were always there. Hey, let me tell you something. When you are faithful for one, God could change a whole trajectory of a family uh, who knows what he could do? Man, be faithful. Do not let delay steal your sacrifice. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. People's lives depend upon it. I'll tell you this, that sometimes the delay hits me at the altar call. I, I battled for the longest time asking people to give their life to Jesus. You know, the moment I say, like, if anybody wants to give their life to Jesus, could you raise your hand? And you want to do that. And then nobody would raise their hand, and I'd just be like, it, like three seconds felt like a year. And I was like, please, somebody raise your hand. Does anybody want to raise your hand? I mean, and then I'd start to panic. And I was like, we're in the death spiral. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, and then I turned into like an auctioneer. If somebody scratched their nose, I'd like, I, I see that hand, you know? And, and his wife would be like, are you not saved? He's like, I thought I was, you know? I mean, like, you know? Thank God we had a lady in our church, Maggie Cedarberg. She came to our church, never had heard the gospel in her life. And, and when I gave the altar call, she raised her hand. She was on the front row. She raised her hand. Uh, yes, I see that hand. It started a wave of hands. Next week she came back and I was like, man, Maggie's back. She got saved last week. I go to give the altar call and I'm like waiting for the hand. Maggie raises her hand again. And I'm like, I'm just looking for a hand. So I go, I see that hand. I'm like, well, you know, it's good. And then she starts to wave at people getting saved. For a year she raised her hand. Every week. And finally, after a year, I went up to her. I said, Maggie, you're in. Like, you're in. You've done it. Like, you're in. Why do you keep raising your hand? She goes, it feels really good. <laughs> she goes, plus, it does look like it encourages you. <laughs> so I was like, thank God for Maggie, all right? 
Hey, there might be a vulture that tells you right now, God could never forgive you. That's a lie. You're ready to give your life to Jesus at this service, and he's ready to say yes. He's ready to forgive you. Don't let that vulture lie to you. All right, there's a, a couple other vultures that I want to get to, and uh, the vulture of the double cross, okay? The vulture of the double cross. It has tried to steal my sacrifice. I've been betrayed before. I've been betrayed by best friends and leaders, and I mean, I once had a leader in our church. He, he's a board member, and he took me out for breakfast, and he said, I hate you, I hate the church, you're a terrible preacher, we quit. We hadn't even ordered breakfast yet. I was like, I think I'm paying, you know, I just, man, it, you're going to get betrayed. You start a business. You want to get more money for your family. You want to be generous towards the things of God. You want to fund missions. You want to do that. You start it, and your business partner runs away with the money and betrays you. It happens all the time. I see it in the Bible. I see people betrayed all the time. And it's the double cross. And it tries to steal away your sacrifice. How does it do it? It tries to make you bitter. It tries to make it so that you hate that person and then you can't help it. You start hating everybody else. See, because I've learned this about bitterness, it oozes. If I am mad at somebody that has double crossed me, I start getting mad at my wife. I start getting mad at my kids. I start getting mad at my friends because I can't contain bitterness. It just oozes out. And I want to tell you this. You need to forgive that business partner. You need to forgive that family member Amen. that betrayed you. Amen. I'm just telling you, you've been double-crossed. Somebody that you thought was on your side attacked you and because of that, you've allowed your life to live with bitterness. You have allowed yourself not to sacrifice. You might give yourself this excuse when you come to church, I can't serve because I'm not healthy. I can't do this because I'm not healthy. You have allowed that double cross to steal your sacrifice. It's time for you to forgive them and say, God, I will not let them steal what I promised I would give to you, do for you, say yes to you. Last one, and I close with this, and I'm going to ask the worship team to even get ready now just a, a little earlier, and I feel like we want to do just an altar moment here. Don't miss this one. The, the last vulture is distractions, and this is a good one, okay? This is a good one, but it will still steal, steal your sacrifice, okay? You get a new offer, and it's a promotion, or you got to take a move but, you know, you're planted in the church here. God's given you a ministry and he's told you to do this. And then an offer comes along and you jump at it and it steals away the sacrifice. That was never God's plan for you. But because your company offered you more money or a promotion or a move, you took it. And, and I have to pray about this. You have to, we all have to pray about it. It's not just pastors. I mean, I had a church in California that was recruiting me away. It was, it was eight years ago. Our church was just starting to see some numerical success. And they tried to recruit me away. And they had a brochure they sent me. And it was all pictures of here's how close our church is to the ocean, California. Here's how much snow we have. Zero. By the way, you live in Minnesota. By the way, if you want to recruit a pastor to your church, do it in February. I'm just saying. That's a good time, you know. All right. And I put the brochure on my table and I was just praying about it. Like, I don't know, Lord, it's, it looks like a great opportunity, bigger platform, better environment, more money. This, it looks good. I set it on the table, but I just didn't feel it. 
The next morning, our two boys, Connor and Logan, got up, and they went to breakfast. They saw the brochure, and they were reading it, and I came down and saw them, and they said, this church in California wants you? Yes, 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 California! And I said, be quiet, you vultures. Don't you steal my sacrifice, you know? No, I didn't call them vultures. Don't call your kids vultures. Don't do that, all right? And I had to say no. I had to say no. I've watched too many families in our church say yes to a worldly offer, and, and it steals their ministry sacrifice. It even sometimes steals their family. Be certain that that attractive offer is really in line. It doesn't mean, okay, I'm not saying you can't take the promotion. I'm saying you need to pray about it. Is it what God has called you to? Is it part of your sacrifice? When people get married, I watch it in the church. They're like, sorry, pastor, we can't serve. You know, we got married. We're going to take a couple years off and just be married. You know, we're just married. And I'm like, no, when you get married, have a honeymoon, but come back and serve the Lord better together than you could apart. Like, double your strength. Double your I watch people with children. They're like, we had a baby. We had a baby. We bought a minivan. We have quarantined that child. And uh, we can't be to church for a year. We're stopping serving everything. Parenting is going to, you know, ruin. Uh, we, this is, we can't do it anymore. We can't serve. Can't serve. Uh, even in the hardest case, though, I noticed that when they become toddlers, they bring them back. They're like, we're here to serve. <laughs> Take them. It's VBS this week. We'll check them in all week. They can sleep in the church, you know. <laughs> they don't care. They're like, Take them. Man, don't let your children steal your sacrifice. And that doesn't mean they're bad. Sometimes we do it. We're like, well, little Johnny, he's showing potential as a four-year-old. He's in the traveling soccer league. We're going to Canada this summer. And we're going to try. And then, like, what happened to serving faithfully in the church? And now you're running all around the world watching him kick a ball. And is that soccer ball stealing your sacrifice? I'm just saying. When you have children, they should multiply your ministry. We see our kids like arrows in our hand that we are sending towards their destiny. Man, they are multiplying our ministry. Our kids have invited so many people to church. It's been incredible. Don't let opportunity steal away your sacrifice. Stay faithful to God. Don't let your bucket list, your boat, your cabin, your trip, your affluence steal away your sacrifice because you got to be careful. Even an eagle can steal away your sacrifice. It looks so good, but it'll take it away and steal it away. Don't let that happen. So as you fight these vultures, we're going to sing that song, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. You probably didn't think of the vultures when we sang it, but I did. I just saw vultures circling. It may look like I'm surrounded, like they're saying my sacrifice is over, but I'm surrounded by you. And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to defeat these vultures, you're going to have to just stay alive. They can circle all they want. We are going to stay alive. We're going to stay faithful. We're not going to give up. If we're going to fight these vultures, we're going to have to say, God, give me the bigger picture like you did to Abram. You gave him a picture of a prophetic vision of all this going on and all this happening. But God, I need a bigger picture. And you're going to have to trust that God is in control and you're going to keep fighting vultures away. And so in just a moment, I'm going to ask that we're going to stand just a moment and we're going to stand and I'm going to ask that people would come forward. And if you say, one of those vultures hit me, I am ready to drive that vulture away in Jesus' name. I'd love for you to worship for a couple minutes up here at the altar area. And, and, and I, you can just, this is how I fight my battle. You can feel like you're driving vultures away. We get it. It's a safe place to do that. But before we do that with those vultures here, if there's anybody that there are vultures around you right now, 
that say you could never be forgiven, I want you to understand that's a lie, and we're going to pray for you right now. Jesus forgives everyone. Everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus desires for you to be saved. There's nothing you've done that could keep you away from Jesus. And anything that you're hearing now, a voice of a parent, a voice of a teacher, a voice of a police officer, a parole officer, a voice of, uh, of the enemy that is saying, no, you can't be forgiven, we're going to silence that in Jesus' name. Today's your day to say yes to Jesus. So if that's you and you're saying, Pastor Rob, I, I want that. That's my day. I want to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to say a line, and then I'm going to ask that you would say a line out loud. Matter of fact, church, let's pray it with them, and let's encourage them. Okay? And so I'm going to say a line, and then you're going to say a line, and then Jesus is going to forgive you. So then, if you said yes to Jesus in that prayer, then you make your way forward, and you be sure to talk to a prayer team member. You say, I said yes to Jesus. I drove away the vultures. I, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Today's my day, and they would love to pray for you. All right, so let's pray with the, those people that want to say yes to Jesus, either here or online. Let's pray this. Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus I'm sorry for my sins, I'm sorry for my sins and, all that I've done wrong. and all that I've done wrong. I ask you to forgive me. I, I receive that, that forgiveness. No matter what the vultures say, no the vultures say you have forgiven me. I believe you died on the cross and rose again from the dead so that I could be forgiven. I receive that forgiveness. And right now today, I pledge to live for you for the rest of my life. Give me the strength to do that in Jesus' name. So God, I thank you for those people that prayed that prayer. It's very real. Their life has become a living sacrifice. You have forgiven them. They've silenced those vultures. And in Jesus' name, you are now with them. They're new and they're forgiven. And so for them and for all of us now, we fight those vultures. We may look like we're surrounded, but we're surrounded by you. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We have victory in Jesus' name. And for some today, they're going to recommit to their sacrifice. They're going to say, God, I recommit to my yes. I recommit and I overcome these vultures in Jesus' name. So God, we come into agreement. It may look like we're surrounded, but we're surrounded by you, and we will fight this battle in Jesus' name. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's get ready to sing this song. And some of you that are ready to re-sacrifice, you're ready to say, it's, I'm re-upping. God, I'm staying faithful. I'm going to overcome that doubt. I will not let that bitterness kill me. I will not let this distraction steal my sacrifice. You need to come forward. You say, that's me. And if you gave your life to Jesus, that's you to come forward. Come on, let's worship him with this song. Every voice this morning, let's declare it. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Yes. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Cause this is how I fight my battles 
This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Sing, this is how I fight. This is how I fight my battles. 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 Sing, this is how I fight. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. With worship and praise. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my Sing it, it may look like. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. By your faithfulness, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Cause this is how I fight my battles. And this is how I fight my battles. And this is how I fight my battles. And this is how I fight. Sing, this is how I fight. This is how I fight my battles. And this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. How many of you receive the Word of God? Say amen. amen. The Word of God spoke to you. You see, you cannot listen to the Word of God without being changed. And here's what happens. Either change by the fact that you let a little rebellion drive you away and say, that's not for me, and the enemy will just vulture you to death. Or you step away just a little bit. Or you say, God, that was a word from you. Now, when you say that, it requires action. God said, not only I speak to you, but I'm requiring you to respond. And that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. So however God spoke to you in a responsive way, God trusts you enough and has placed enough ownership on you to say, do what I ask you to do. So make that happen in your own heart and your own spirit, okay? Heavenly Father, I pray a pastoral prayer over this congregation, over those listening online. I believe that we heard your word today. We shall be changed. We are changed because of what we've heard. But God, not only do we want to hear the word of God, we want to be doers of the word of God. We want something in our own lives that we can do that will bring more pleasure to you. So I pray in your name for every person, for every family, every marriage. And God, whatever it is that you said to us individually, let us honor you. And so we just commit ourselves to you. We commit our day to you that you have gifted to us. And just give us a great afternoon. And Lord, I pray these prayers for those who came forward. Anoint them, heal them undergird them, lift them up. For those who pray to sinner's prayer together, Lord, revitalize their spirit in a special way. And we give you praise and honor in Christ's name. Amen. If you're visiting, right off the lobby there to the right, hospitality suite. Go in there and say hello. Our leadership will be in there. Love you, everybody. Encourage you to be back tonight. Thank you.